0: I think there are a few things that hurt more than stubbing your toe in the dark when you're up for whatever reason. That can be easily done, of course, in one's own bedroom, but it's even more commonly done if we're sleeping somewhere other than our home, like in a hotel, where we're unfamiliar with the furniture and all the arrangements of things. We need light. In that situation, we need light so as not to bump into furniture with our toes, We need light. And of course, the psalmist tells us in Psalm 119, verse 105, that the word of God, the Holy Bible, is a light for us. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And this morning we can be realistic, those of us who are married, we can be accurate to know that there's so many opportunities for misunderstanding, disorientation, and stubbing of toes in our marriages. And if the truth be told, that it's not just the danger we might have as a married person to get a stub toe, but if the truth be told, in our marriages, we can easily step on our mate's toe and inflict pain and problem. Two Sundays ago, we Looked into God's word as it pertained to the common situation, unfortunately, of a born-again wife who is married for whatever reason to an unsaved husband. And now, with equity between the genders within marriage in place, verse seven turns to married husbands. Verses one through six of First Peter three to married wives who are in the lord and their husbands aren't. Now to verse 7 men to us who are married and to those who contemplate marriage, who are engaged to be married, etc. Now verse 7 laser beams in on laparoscopic surgery procedure on our hearts and our minds as Christian husbands who name the name of Christ. We have seen two weeks ago in verses one through six how Christian wives are supposed to live and relate to their unsaved husbands, their lost husbands. And now, as I've said, we're going to turn to verse seven to let the Holy Spirit penetrate our minds, our lives, our priorities, our choices as born-again husbands. That we would not be like the rest of the world and not be like carnal Christian husbands, but that we men who are married would be spirit-filled Controlled, resembling Jesus Christ in our marriage relationships. When we turn to verse 7, we read the following You husbands, likewise live with your wives in an understanding way, as with a weaker vessel, since she is a woman, and grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers May not be hindered. The word likewise here in verse seven, which appears early in the verse, points us back to the previous verses. This verse seven is calling all born again husbands to honor and to respect their wives. As I've mentioned, this is similar to verses 1 through 6, the preceding verses, which have called believing wives to honor and to respect their lost husbands, their unpersuaded husbands, unpersuaded with respect to Jesus, unpersuaded with respect to the gospel, unpersuaded with respect to the authority of Scripture. And so after addressing the believing wife in a marriage to a lost husband, the Spirit of God turns to husbands in Christ In verse 7, it says, you husbands, likewise. In what wise? How? Likewise, we have to turn back to chapter 2, verse 17, which says that God calls all people, all persons, to honor and to respect all other persons. There is never a grounds for any of us seeing someone else as worthless or expendable. The reason being that God calls us to honor and to respect every single human being, even those who do not behave respectfully. Why? Because every human being, without exception, is made in the image of God. And so they have value. It was Sir Winston Churchill, the great God appointed leader of Great Britain and the Allied forces fighting Adolf Hitler who we're told had the practice of whenever he passed a child on the sidewalk, he took off his hat and doffed his hat to every single child. When asked why he did so, Sir Winston Churchill said, I never know when I will meet the next future prime minister of Great Britain. Back to verse 7. It's saying that just as everyone is to honor and respect everyone else, and just as a wife is to honor and to respect her unbelieving husband, a believing husband is to honor and to respect his believing wife. And verse 1 commands that we husbands in Christ grant her honor. Verse 7. You husbands likewise live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker vessel since she is a woman and watch it, grant her honor. Now watch. The way that a Christian husband is to honor and to respect his Christian wife is to live with her in an understanding way to live with her in an understanding way. That is to live with her in a considerate way. That is to live with her in a selfless way. That is to live with her in a courteous way. That is to live with her in an attentive way. When H.A. Ironside was asked, what does it mean to grant one's wife honor? He would say it means to help her with the dishes when she has a headache. I might add, it means doing the home repairs even and especially when you don't feel like doing them. Granting one's wife honor means giving to meet her needs when such giving really costs you personally. An understanding husband realizes that his wife is fine china. A considerate husband recognizes that his wife is cut glass a selfless husband sees his wife as royal Dolton figurine. A courteous husband understands his wife to be refined and precious. An attentive husband views his wife as being sensitive and delicate. Now, verse 7 calls married women, wives, weaker vessels or weaker partners, depending on the English Bible translation you read. Now, that, what does that mean? Does that mean that women are weak, but men are strong? No, it doesn't mean that. Because both men and women are very weak when compared with the Lord. Both genders are fragile and breakable, both genders. Both genders need to be handled with care, but watch this, husbands. God gives the greater responsibility for handling with care to us, husbands. In a general sense, I like looking at husbands and wives like we're glassware, but we're very different glassware. Husbands are A&W root beer mugs, and wives are cut crystal goblets. You knock an A&W root beer mug onto a tile floor, it won't break. I've tried. It'll scratch it might chip, but it won't break. But you knock a crystal goblet off the table onto a tile floor, and it smashes some smithereens. Husbands are like root beer mugs, we're clunky, we are hard to break. Wives, on the other hand, are like water for crystal, they're refined and attractive, but even more breakable. And why are women prone to be even more breakable than men? It's not because they're inferior in intellect or inferior in their physical strength or inferior in their emotional stability. The reason that women are more prone to break than men, watch this, is that they voluntarily submit themselves to their husband's servant leadership. They choose to put themselves in a more vulnerable position to honor and obey Christ by standing under their husband voluntarily. That's what makes them more breakable and more fragile. The Greek word, which is translated woman in verse seven, you husbands likewise live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker vessel since she is a woman. The Greek word translated woman here could also be translated wife. And actually the literal translation of the Greek word would best be rendered the womanly or the wifely. Let's read it that way. Your You husbands likewise live with your wives in an understanding way as with the weaker vessel since she is womanly, since she is wifely. And what characterizes the wifely aspect for our sisters in Christ who are married? According to the New Testament, it involves voluntary submission, hupotasso, to stand under the the husband voluntarily. Ephesians 5, 22. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Colossians 3, verse 18. Wives, be subject to your husbands as fitting in the Lord. And so Wonderful, incredible body of Christ, it would seem that when a Christian wife volunteers her submission to her husband in obedience to scripture, in obedience to her savior, she is choosing to make herself a weaker vessel. She is electing to make herself a weaker vessel than her husband. She's willingly putting herself in a more vulnerable position in order to obey her God. Susan Foe writes of this situation when she explains being a weaker vessel in this way, and I quote, "'The wife may be considered weak "'because of her role as wife. "'She, by marrying, has accepted a position "'where she submits herself to her husband. "'Such a position is vulnerable,' Open to exploitation. The husband is commanded not to take advantage of the woman's vows of submission. End of quote. And thus our Lord gives the greater handle with care responsibility to the husband because God also gives the husband the responsibility of loving, agape loving, sacrificially meeting the needs of his wife without concern for the cost or the payback. God gives the responsibility, the husband, of loving and leading his submitted wife. And so we husbands must never, never, never exploit our wives who have been given to us by the Lord Jesus. Instead, we should view the submission in our wives as a sober reminder that we owe her tender, considerate, attentive, respect, and love. Perhaps I could illustrate this with a car driving scenario. Basically, when two cars come together, they're equal. They have tires. They have an engine. They're equal because all cars can do serious damage to lives and property if they get in collisions. And when two cars come to a four-way stop signaled intersection at the exact same instant, sometimes one car will submit to the other car by waving the other vehicle to go ahead first from the stopped condition. If you were the vehicle being waved to go on ahead, I doubt very much that you would think it appropriate to turn your car on purpose into the yielded vehicle and ram it at full speed to say thank you for submitting your plans to mine. When two cars come to a four-way stop signal intersection at the same instant, sometimes the one car will submit to the other by waving the other vehicle to go ahead first from the stop condition... And if you were the vehicle being waved to go ahead, I doubt very much you would have been rude, ungrateful. Instead, you would pull away slowly from your stop sign, you would pull away safely, you would smile, and you would wave your hand to the other driver who submitted to you and gave you the right of way. When a wife voluntarily submits to her husband, She is like the driver who waved the other driver on and yielded the right of way. She could have gone herself, but she chose to let the husband go first. Now, please watch this. The husband who treats his submitted wife in an inconsiderate way or in an unattentive way or in a disrespectful way is like the motorist who rams the yielded car to say thanks. But on the other hand, the husband who lives with his submitted wife in a selfless, considerate, attentive, courteous way is like the motorist who smiles and waves and thanks the car who yielded. Common sense makes it obvious which kind of a response with respect to yieldedness that God expects a Christian husband to give to his Christian-yielded wife. And that response is courtesy. That response is consideration. That response is attentiveness. That response is understanding. That response is selfless sacrifice. And so verse 7 gives husbands two more ways Reasons, I should say, to honor their wives in these ways. You're sitting there, you're thinking, I'm married, I'm a Christian. What are some reasons I should treat my wife with consideration? Well, the text will tell us two. First, the Christian wife is a fellow heir of the grace of life. Married Christian men, your wife is is a co-heir with you to the grace of life. She is equal to you in Christ. Christ has conferred upon your believing wife the same things that Christ has conferred upon you as a believing husband. Both saved husbands and saved wives have fellowship with God. They can have an understanding of his word. They share the common experience of being indwelt by the Holy Spirit. They know the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. They have at least one spiritual gift each. Jesus Christ is life to both of them. They have experienced through co-crucifixion with Christ, death to sin and self. And they know life to righteousness in the Holy Spirit, etc., etc., etc. Married husbands... You're to grant honor to your wives as a fellow heir of the grace of life. You've heard of pay equity, equal pay for equal work between the genders. Our saving God believes and practices blessing equity. He does not discriminate in his salvation blessings based on gender. He does not discriminate in his salvation blessings based on age. He does not discriminate in his salvation blessings based on race. He does not. And so the first reason we are to treat our wives with kind, tender, loving consideration is that she's a joint heir with us to the salvation blessing called here the grace of life. But there's a second reason that we who are married Christians should treat our wives properly, and it's this. A husband is honor his wife by living with her in a courteous, considerate, attentive, and understanding way because not to do so will gravely hinder the husband's prayers being heard by God and answered by God. I just wonder this morning, In a group this size, would there be Christian husbands in our group this morning who, if they're honest before God, would admit that they've prayed about certain matters for several months and it's like the heavens are marble, cold, unresponsive, you feel distant from God, could it be it's because of how you treat your wife? That's something. The Greek word rendered hindered here in verse seven meant knocked in. I learned a new term in the Bahamas. When a car gets wrecked, it's mashed in. (laughs) I like that, mashed potatoes and mashed cars. Uh, God says that when a Christian husband doesn't treat his wife with tender consideration and respect, his prayers are knocked in. They're mashed. Also, you could say those prayers are cut into like a surgeon God in heaven looks at a Christian husband who's not treating his wife with respect and tenderness and kindness, and like a surgeon, God in heaven cuts out that Christian husband's prayers. That's something. That God would say in this verse that failing to treat your wife with courtesy, consideration, understanding, attentiveness has a serious consequence when you don't give her what she deserves your prayers will be bashed in. Your prayers will be cut into by God. So I just wonder how many husbandly prayers are seriously thwarted this morning, bluntly cut off, simply because we have exploited our wives. I wonder How many husbands' prayers have been labeled return to sender in the post office of heaven because the all-knowing divine postmaster knows full well that the praying husband's treatment of his wife is contrary to 1 Peter 3, verse 7. And so, if you sit here in the congregation... Convicted by the Spirit of God that you have not been treating your wife that God has given you properly. Then you need to start to do so right now. If you don't know how to do it, I make this suggestion. You get in the car after dismissal and you sit in that parking lot without it running. And you turn to your wife and you say, honey... God is showing me that I haven't been treating you like 1 Peter 3, 7 commands me. I am sorry, will you please forgive me? And then you turn to your bride and you say, could you help me know how specifically I could treat you with greater respect, consideration, and tender love? And then you wait. Don't rush her. You wait. And then, when she tells you concrete ways that you can treat her in line with 1 Peter 3 7, you take her by both hands and you look into the whites of her eyes and you say, God is witness with the strength of the Holy Spirit, I will change. Ask her directly Will you? If you need to and you won't, you're in worse trouble than when you walked in. You've heard the truth. Do it. Man up. Do it. I want us to bow our heads, close our eyes, fold our hands for private, silent prayer. Christian husbands, I ask you to pray from the silence of your heart to God. And ask him to show you what needs to change. And Christian wives, I want you to pray for your husband silently if he's right beside you. Lord God, we continue in a posture of prayer. How grateful we are that Scripture has been a light into the dark parts of our marriages. We also recognize that there are men here today who soon will be husbands. And we thank you that your Scripture this morning has cast light into future marriages as well. Lord God, thank you that 1 Peter 3, verse 7 has illumined our marriage relationships this morning. I pray, Father, for each husband who is here today. And I ask you to make us the understanding, courteous, attentive, self-sacrificing, and considerate husbands that you intend for us to be. Father, we know that that is a God sized assignment, and so we dare not try to do it in our own smarts or strength. Instead, we would do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, by your precious Holy Spirit, guide us into making appointments with our wives. We recognize that they are fine crystal goblets that you have graced us with, that bring love and fidelity and creativity and joy and organization and prayer into our lives and the lives of our children. Spirit of God, guide us into making appointments with our submitted wives. And may these appointments yield concrete ways that we can better honor and bless our submitted wives. Lord Jesus, for the husbands who are here today with unsubmitted wives, I pray special grace to do this exercise. May the obedience which such husbands offer in this matter serve to encourage repentance and voluntary submission in their wives. And Father, for the men who have already been trusting you to make them understanding, courteous, attentive, self-sacrificing, and considerate with their mates, may these brothers press on in continuing obedience to thy glory. And Lord, For wives who have heard this challenge and exhortation and say in their hearts, Oh God, thank you for my husband. Thank you for how you've made him to be toward me. I pray that these wives would spread their gratitude from you first to their husbands second, that they would commend their considerate husbands that they would be grateful for their husbands' long obedience in the same direction. Lord, thank you for this time in your word. Thank you that it is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. May we walk in the light. And may a watching and a perishing world that we interface with at our workplaces that we interface in our family gatherings, that we interface with in many contexts, transactions, business. May a watching and a perishing world see how wives relate to husbands and see that's how the church is to relate to Christ. And may our watching and perishing worlds see how husbands relate to wives and see how Christ Jesus relates to his church. We pray these things with great expectancy that you will change us, that you will fortify us, that you will make us to be who you want us to be. Take the glory for all that you will do. And we pray this with thanksgiving always in Jesus' name, amen.